Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, April 20th. On today's edition, we're going to talk about embattled Pulaski County Circuit Judge Wendell Griffin, a group of UAL, UA Little Rock students repeatedly shouting the N-word while singing along to a popular song, <laughs> the federal corruption trial of former Senator John Woods, and who knows, maybe some more. I'm joined this week by frequent special guest Benjamin Hardy. Really? Still special? Yeah, okay. Hi, Benji. Hello, Lindsay. Thanks for being here. Uh, So Circuit Judge Wendell Griffin again lay bound on a cot during a vigil and demonstration this week outside the governor's mansion. The same thing he did last year, which uh, earned uh, ire directed at him from a number of elected officials and caused the state Supreme Court to ban him from hearing uh, any cases related to the death penalty and um, at the, the court asked the Judicial Discipline Commission to investigate him. Of course, uh, at, at this time last year, the state was uh, gearing up for its marathon of executions. Right. So uh, this, perhaps not surprisingly, sparked... Um, similar outrage from the same quarters, uh, notably from Senator Trent Garner, who uh, called for Griffin's impeachment. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, as we've talked about in past editions and written about quite a bit online and in the paper, uh, Griffin sued the state Supreme Court. And uh, last week, uh, a U.S. district judge said that his suit against the individual justices could continue, not uh, against the court as a whole. So, and his suit concerns the uh, being being barred from hearing death penalty cases. Right, it's a federal civil rights lawsuit. So, uh, and and really, that was only the beginning of Griffin's uh, run in the news cycle this week. Right. Well. So. So. Um, also. Uh, he struck down a law um, that uh, passed by the legislature that that uh, forces or mandates courts to allow uh, child victims of certain crimes to have a service dog present with them um, at the court proceeding uh, to provide comfort to ease their testimony. Uh, he said that uh, the legislature was impermissibly imposing rules on uh, individual judges' courtroom and courtrooms, and that was a violation of. Uh, the separation of powers. Um, that provided more fuel, though, for his critics in the legislature who pounced on that as evidence that Wendell Griffin uh, hates child victims and um, and wants to make children uh, who've been the victimized by predators uh, you know make their lives worse. Right. That is more of a sort of typical uh, layperson judge dispute, uh, though. The, the death penalty thing, I mean, Griffin is sort of going out of his way, I think, to to assert his First Amendment right. Right, sure. Well, you're right. So, I mean, the, with the, the service dog issue, I mean, you know, um, I think it's clear that, that folks like Trent Garner, conservative legislators, are really demagoguing this, seizing an opportunity to, to hate on somebody for what is basically a narrow ruling about a, a technical issue. Um, but right, right. With, the, I mean, choo- Griffin choosing to lay down um, in the middle of a death penalty protest outside the governor's mansion, he's going out of his way to make a statement and essentially 
challenging his critics to uh, come at him, which they promptly did. Yeah, and there was also a, an interesting article in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette today about Griffin sending uh, a juvenile to uh, Pulaski County Jail, uh, which is um, typically reserved for adult prisoners, though occasionally uh, youth who are uh, being tried as adults will, um, or have been arrested and charged with crimes as adults will be there. But this particular juvenile hadn't even been charged. Right. It's always unclear from the article exactly what was going on there. And juvenile proceedings are often, I mean, what's ha- what happens is sort of unclear in general because uh, we don't have as much uh, of a public record about juvenile cases. But it sounded like, like this kid was just present in the courtroom, um, caused some sort of disruption, and Judge Griffin... Um, uh, said he was in contempt of court and, you know, took this really punitive swipe at him. Um, and Right. I mean, really, it seems like a pretty over-the-top uh, response to whatever whatever occurred. Yeah. Well, we, we're interested in finding out more. Um, when the Democrat Gazette called the Pulaski County Prosecuting Attorney's Office, um, they quickly moved to have the, the child or the youth move from um, the adult jail to the uh, the youth lockup. Right. Uh, okay, well, let's leave it there unless you have anything else you want to add. I mean, I, I don't know what to add. I mean, uh, other than to say this is, I mean, these, these things are unrelated, <laughs> really, I, I suppose. Uh, but, um, you know, um, I guess I would just say, in my own opinion, this just, I mean, I find all of it really frustrating because it just sort of exemplifies the worst tendencies of, you know, our sort of political culture um, in which, um, you know, uh, headlines are grabbed by outrageous, outrageous things. I mean, like um, the things we just listed, some of them I think are, you know, entirely reasonable things. Some of them are, you know, again, Griffin going out of his way to be controversial. But, um, you know, it's just... It just feeds into this um, weird outrage cycle that um, you know I personally find such an exhausting part of being a participant in the news. Yeah, agreed. Uh, well, let's take a quick break and talk about uh, not our sponsor, but some fellow uh, podcasts on the burgeoning Arkansas Times Podcast Network. If you haven't yet, now is a great time to catch up on the conversation. Matt Price's podcast, interview podcast. Uh, he's taking a hiatus for April, but there are, I don't know, four or five episodes that, um, you know, even though they're a little bit old, they they all uh, are still very relevant. The most recent one is Matt interviewing Max about the newspaper war. And then uh, you're only one episode behind on Rock the Culture, <laughs> the new uh, podcast from uh, local lawyer, Politico, Man About Town, Antoine Phillips. Uh, Charles Blake, the state representative, is a regular guest host. They talk about the news uh, of the week. It's just sort of all about black culture and Little Rock especially, but Arkansas generally. Then they, they always have a special guest, um, Darren Morgan, who is the uh, head of Arkansas Commitment, was the first guest. And if you don't know about that nonprofit and the work it's done, definitely encourage you to check it out. And then... 
we have uh, No Small Talk, great entertainment podcast by our own Stephanie Smittle and Amaya Jones, who um, talk about the latest goings-on film culture. They have special guests, too. Check them out. Give them a rating and review. Tell us what you think. Back to the news. A uh, and this this could and probably will be covered by any of those podcasts. Uh, a video <laughs> uploaded to to Facebook uh, recently shows members of the Chi Omega sorority and Pi Kappa Alpha fraternity uh, at the University of Arkansas Little Rock singing along to the song "Freaky Friday" by Lil Dicky featuring Chris Brown. Uh, <laughs> the white students in the video repeatedly and seemingly gleefully are shouting along uh, to the N-word being sung. So I think first, some context. I didn't, I meant to, but did not watch the local news coverage of this to see how um, the the various uh, anchors handled the, the little dicky context. Good question. But, um, can you just provide a little background on, on, on little Dickie? Yeah. Well, I'm no expert, but um, I'll jump in <laughs> if you need me. Please. Um, little Dickie is a white uh, comedy rapper. Um, I I think this is the best way to to sum him up. Right. Um, and um, as his name suggests, his persona is built on uh, self-deprecation. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> it's gracefully said. Um, so in this in this latest video of his, um, the the premise is that he is sort of lamenting being a white comedy rapper and not uh, and not more of a, a mainstream uh, rap superstar such as Chris Brown, who is black. And no, Chris Brown is an R and B star, not a rap star. Okay, yes. Um, well, so there's this. So so the setup here is that they switch bodies, as in the film Freaky Friday. Um, and old Dickie uh, experiences life as Chris Brown, uh, a sort of side gag in this, in the course of this video, is that it plays off of this weird thing in um, white American culture of people being um, peaked and sort of obsessed with not being able to say the N word. And Will uh, Dickie now being a white man in a black man's body sort of revels briefly in his newfound ability to get away with saying the n-word okay so this is the joke in the video um in real life <laughs> uh white college students uh enthusiastically sing along to to this song um, but being white and not being transported into a black man's body they continue to be <laughs> white people saying the n-word <laughs> which when caught on videotape is not a very good look for them um, and that's what happened here. It's an incident, believe it or not, that's happened in other places around the nation with other groups of, co of white college students singing along to this very song. Um, but uh, <laughs> the joke being sort of transmogrified into an actual racial slur because, again, this word is coming out of a white person's mouth. A postmodern hellscape is how David Ramsey described it and uh, his post on it. Yeah, I don't know that there's more that we can say. <laughs> I don't think there is. <laughs> UA Literac is uh, investigating and put out a statement talking about the racially insensitive language wouldn't be tolerated or something to that effect. Yeah, I mean, I think the only takeaway here is that if you're a white person, you shouldn't be saying the N-word. <laughs> yeah. 
not really an, a, a revelation or yeah. should, should not be. Uh, one revelation for me was this, like figuring out who Little Dicky is and his popularity was um, one of the first times with music at least that I felt like a generational divide. That's a like, watershed moment for you. Mystified because I like am very, um, you know, keen on keeping up with new music, and I listen to rap like sixty percent of the time, probably. So it's not it's not that I don't get rap music. Or <laughs> it's anything. not that I'm old or anything. I mean, I'm definitely old, <laughs> and I'm sure there are subgenres that I don't understand, but. Um, the massive popularity of mm-hmm. this guy. Would humbling? Would you say? I don't. It just it just made me feel uh, adrift. Mm. I'm sure there's much more of that to come. The federal corruption trial of Senator John Wood continued this week in Fayetteville. Any takeaways for you? <laughs> you know, I mean, the thing about this case. Um, for one thing, I really wish I were up in the courtroom. Um, maybe every reporter in the state wishes they were in the courtroom, but it just seems like on a daily basis there's something new that gets pulled into this. I'm only waiting for for a little Dickies to somehow get <laughs> pulled into this, this case sooner or later. Um, I mean, so this week there were um, there was testimony from State Senator Bart Hester and others at the Northwest Arkansas Economic Development district or whatever the name of the entity is that um, sort of served as a pass-through for this GIF money, General Improvement Fund money, to um, the college in Northwest Arkansas that uh, is sort of at the center of this this corruption scandal. Um, And um, that was significant because, I mean, it just sort of confirmed what everybody has long said about the General Improvement Fund, which is that um, it's you know, it's just a way for legislators to direct money to local projects. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's what it always has been. Um, some years back, the state created this, you know, these planning development districts that were supposed to sort of serve as a layer between legislators and these local projects to uh, to have a, a more a fairer way of, of parceling out these these funds. Everybody sort of knew that was a fiction, and that was basically confirmed in testimony by, you know, by a sitting legislator, by people that are directors of these districts. Um, so, um, and then on, and then later in the week, um, testimony came out that uh, former state uh, Senate President Pro Tem Michael Lamoureux, who then later went on to work in the in the governor's office was implicated in another set of grants that was directed to the same small Christian college um, by a planning and development district nowhere near northwest Arkansas. This was a district based out of Hot Springs. And uh, Senator Lamoureux allegedly um, leaned on the, the, the board of this district or the director of the dis- this district to, to give um, something like $100,000 in grants total to, to Ecclesia College in northwest Arkansas. Uh, although the the application date for those grants had already passed at the time, um, you know Lamar is on a trial here, so I mean this is this is all sort of incidental to the immediate fact at hand, which is about Senator John Woods, former Senator John Woods. But I'm um, a huge deal for people that, are, that watch politics in Arkansas. And then um, just yesterday, another sort of bombshell revelation. Um, 
that uh, Sen former Senator John Woods, who's on trial, had a hand in crafting um, the uh, medical marijuana amendment, which was passed by voters in 2016. Um, or, or at least an early version of it. Right, right. Um, when he was still in the legislature, he got legislative staff to assist in drafting it, and that yeah, a version of it, which in some form or fashion went on to become the initiated, the voter-initiated uh, amendment that, that eventually uh, passed. Um, this is something that Max has written about before, but um, once again, you know, we're getting now confirmation on the stand in the courtroom um, about these things happening. And the, the deal here is that like, the, the language that Woods wanted included in the marijuana amendment in its initial form would have directed tax proceeds um, to um, a type of college called work colleges. Um, this is a designation in which uh, students essentially earn their keep on college by, by working their way on filling sort of staff positions at the school. Um, so it's, this is like an official designation and there's only one work college in Arkansas, and that college is Ecclesia. In fact, there's only seven work colleges in the entire United States, so uh, there's not that many of these things. And, uh, you know, again, this, this, this draft that Woods proposed, um, or language that he wanted included in it, would have not stated Ecclesia by name, but it would have directed, you know, uh, tax proceeds uh, from marijuana sales to work colleges, meaning essentially a slush fund for the school that he spent evidently a tremendous amount of energy um, directing state public monies toward. This trial uh, was estimated to take two weeks. Uh, it does not appear that the end is in sight two weeks later. Right. I mean, I think they said that, you know, two weeks minimum, um, but left it open that it could be much longer. And, and you know, the prosecution is still calling witnesses. I think there's, there's going to be much more to come. Um, and, um, yeah, we're all waiting to see what the next development will be. Yeah. Well, if you're in Fayetteville and bored and can write, give us a call. Please we, give us a call. We'd love yeah. to try to find a couple of folks. Just drop them. by the courtroom and check it out. Sure, right. yeah. Um, at least four separate legal challenges to the state's ban on Dakamba have now been filed by groups of farmers throughout the state. You wrote a little bit about this this week. It's uh Another interesting uh, legal case that um, will be decided by our wacky state Supreme Court. <laughs> uh, right. So this is the the uh, controversial herbicide that um, I mean, there's so much to sort of the backstory here, but uh, it's it's been controversial because it sort of pitted farmers against other farmers in East Arkansas and in other states as well. Um, it's, uh, it has a tendency to drift onto neighboring fields. Uh, if you have crops that are um, sort of, th that are uh, resistant to dicamba, which means that they were grown from seed purchased from Monsanto, then um, you probably like dicamba because it's a very effective herbicide. If you don't have those sorts of crops, then you probably don't like dicamba because your neighbors are using it and it's drifting onto your fields and killing your crops and perhaps also your vegetable garden and your trees, which, in East Arkansas, it's just caused a tremendous amount of damage to both uh, non-dicamba-resistant soybeans and other other um, other crops, and also you know people's gardens. So, um, it's the state plant board has banned the use of dicamba, um, but um, farmers are challenging it left and right. And the the weird thing about this sort of where we are right now is 
this whole sovereign immunity issue has gotten dragged into the dicamba fight because of a state Supreme Court decision earlier this year, which said, which, you know, reversed um, longstanding precedent on on what matters the state can be sued over. Uh, essentially, the Supreme Court said the, the, the state cannot be sued. Um, well, um, one thing that, that sort of flowed from that is as some of these lawyers or some of these farmers sued sued the state over the state plant board's Dicamba ruling, um, you know, judges said, well, we have this new precedent or set by the, the state Supreme Court and you cannot sue the state plant board over this issue. Well, uh, Pulaski County Circuit Judge Timothy Fox um, in March sort of threw a wrench into that by, by saying, that's correct, but also this amounts to a um, due process violation because farmers that want to sue the state about this decision have absolutely no recourse to do so. There's no avenue by which they can seek relief at all. And therefore, um, I'm going to say that they can use dicamba. <laughs> and as soon as, as soon as Judge Fox made that ruling, then, then many other farmers uh, that also want to use dicamba uh, filed lawsuits of their own. Just so. a side note, it was it was a big middle finger to the Supreme Court, essentially. R- right. R- uh, so it seems, at least. It seems like Judge Fox was, was sort of saying, like, well, all right, so if these folks can't sue at all, uh, based on what the Supreme Court says, then, um, <laughs> right, like, well, what, what can they do? Right. Um, so as it stands now, there's separate lawsuits in Mississippi County and uh, Phillips County. There's one in Greene County and Clay County. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more that, that we haven't heard about. Those are just the ones that the Attorney General's Office has confirmed. Uh, amounts to well over 100, maybe 200 or more, maybe plaintiffs, uh, individual farmers who uh, hope. And, and so far, there have been two judges at least, uh, at last I heard, that um, have issued temporary restraining orders saying that all right, you guys can go ahead and use dicamba. Um, now the Attorney General is asking the Supreme Court to step in, which they surely will sooner or later. Um, you know, it's, it's in this weird limbo right now where um, no one quite knows what, is, what isn't isn't legal. Okay, well, we will continue to follow that, as with all things Supreme Court-related. Let's move on to endorsements. What do you have this week, Benji? Um, I do have something this week, as a matter of fact. Great. Um, so I just recently went on a trip to the American Southwest, and um, I would endorse. Uh, so I went to a number of museums uh, <laughs> that I had, was not aware of before I I set out on this trip. Um, in, in Santa Fe, there's this museum called uh, Museum of International Folk Art that I highly recommend to anyone. Um, it's, it's it sounds it sounds like it conjures up to me the name, sort of images of like just like quilts hanging from walls, and sort of a bland. Um, it's bland about quilts. <laughs> well, okay, um, but uh, and some some of it is 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 that kind of thing, but some of it is also there's there's this this collector in Santa Fe, this eccentric fellow, long dead now, I believe, who um, collected. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of, of, of miniature figurines over the course of his life, from street vendors in Mexico and in Poland and, and all around the world. Um, and these are like, I mean, as the name implies, it's folk art. It's these are just like things that people sell, um, like hawking them on the on street corners. Um, they're arranged in these just these in these these vast sort of fabulous displays. 
often with no regard whatsoever to any kind of like historical or eth- ethnic like consistency. Like, um, I mean, they're just like these big sort of party uh, uh, arrangements in which he uh, is playing with dolls. You know, so the, the, it's it's all open for the public to see this uh, display after display of um, miniatures arranged in bizarre configurations. Sounds great. Get to Santa Fe. Uh, I am going to endorse gardening. I've had a garden, or my wife and I have had a garden for 10 years or so. We first, when we lived somewhere um, where we, I guess we just didn't have backyard space, we gardened out at Two Rivers Park in the, um, the pay $20 a year and get a garden plot space. It was wonderful, loamish um, <laughs> soil out there. And that was fun, but it's kind of far away. But we've had just a backyard raised bed forever, and we've unsuccessfully grown all the great things like tomatoes and strawberries and blackberries. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had Big some luck with, with okra and green beans occasionally. But the thing that we've consistently grown, probably because of where our pH is in our soil, is lettuce. And it's so easy and so plentiful. And at this time of year, fresh lettuce is just... You're endorsing lettuce. You realize that like what the lettuce you get at the supermarket is a month old or something. So to be able to cut lettuce, wash it, and have it that night... Wasn't there a recent a E. coli scare with lettuce, too? Yeah, probably there's no... Not e- your lettuce, no I'm e- saying. No E. coli on my lettuce, either. I don't know. Really bringing it with endorsements this week, I know. Uh, okay, well, thanks for listening. Subscribe via iTunes or your uh, other favorite podcast subscription service and give us a rating and review and, and tell your friends to listen. Thanks for being here, Benji. Thank you, Lindsay. See ya. The podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.